we're going to dive right into Mark chapter 6. And I wanted to kind of pick up where we were last week with uh, Jesus had just healed uh, a woman uh, who had been bleeding for 12 years, and he had just raised a little girl from the dead. And you might think, wow, everyone's going to be talking about this. But Jesus actually told her parents, don't say anything to anyone about this. And then he quietly left. And he left uh, the town where he was, and he traveled to his hometown of Nazareth. And that's where we're picking up in Mark chapter 6, as Jesus is coming home. And you'll see on the screen here behind me what you're, what we're calling this today is scandalous, because the way Jesus' hometown receives him is not what you might think. So here we are, Mark 6, we're going to read the first six verses. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. So here comes the entourage, right? And the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Jesus is marveling at the response of his hometown. And we might think, wow, can you believe he showed up in his hometown and the people were unbelieving to the degree that Jesus is, is shocked. But guys, I think still today, it's good for us to remember something. Jesus is stunning. He is stunning. He's striking. The, the word when it says the people are astonished, it's as if someone hit you or someone slapped you and, and you, you get struck and, and you're, you're kind of shocked. That's one way we would say that today is, is the people were shocked. The people were, were, were uh, um, just amazed. Well, we just lost let me get there. There we are. <laughs> Jesus is stunning. And what do they say? Because they did not see this coming. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. He's the hometown boy. He's, he's grown. He's gone. And now he's coming back with his disciples. And what do they say? They say, first they just, they ask some, I think, pretty intelligent questions. Where did he learn this? Like, it didn't come from us. So who taught Jesus? Where did this come from? Uh, in Mark chapter 1, we heard that Jesus had come and the people said, what is this new teaching and with authority? So there was something different about Jesus' teaching. And they say, what is this wisdom? What is this that's given to him? It's obviously very different wisdom than they're used to hearing. Even though they've heard the scriptures for years, what Jesus is saying is surprising and 
shocking to them. Think about what Jesus would be preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe the good news. We've read that earlier in Mark. These are things he's saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he's describing the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And the people are hearing something very, very different. And the third question is, how does he do such mighty works by his hands? How is he doing this? Now, does that mean Jesus has already healed a few people in town and they're saying, how did he do this? Or are they just hearing about what he's done before? But the, where did he learn this? What is this wisdom given to him? And how does he do such mighty works? Like, how is this, how is this happening? These seem like normal questions to ask when you're trying to figure out what is going on. But then they begin to make excuses and they say this about Jesus. Is this not the carpenter? Implication, he's a tradesman, not a scholar. He's a blue collar worker, not like a, a, a person that they would think of as someone in being in authority. Uh, it's stunning, isn't it, that the son of God became a tradesman. He became someone who works with his hands. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, they say this. It's not just, is this not the carpenter? They say, isn't this not the son of Mary? Now, in that culture, it would have been polite. It would have been customary, even if his father, Joseph, or stepfather, Joseph, was dead, to say and refer to him as the son of Joseph. But they don't. They refer to him as the son of Mary. And that's meant as a bit of a dig, probably. We find out later that people are accusing uh, Jesus of being an Ill illegitimate child, of being born out of wedlock. And uh, uh, so it's like, we know who this is. He's the carpenter. We know who this is. He's the son of Mary. You know, the uh, that, that thing that happened a while back? Uh, He's the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? These people know Jesus' family. They know his brothers. They know his sisters. They know his mom. They knew him as when he was growing up as a young man, working around the, the region, probably. We know this guy. It's like, we know, it's like when your parents say, yeah, we changed your diapers. You might be all that. You might be getting all this great education. We changed your diapers. And who taught you how to ride that bike? And, you know, who paid for that? It's that kind of response to Jesus. But it's like excuses for why not to believe him and not to believe that he's the Messiah. So what we see that's going on here, it says the people took offense at him. Guys, the gospel is scandalizing. And this is the actual word. They took offense at him. The, the Greek word here is kind of fun. Skandalizomai, uh, which is where our English word scandal or scandalized comes from. So it says when the people took offense, the people are scandalized by Jesus. Thayer's Greek lexicon says to be scandalized uh, is to see in another what I disapprove of 
and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. So what I see in Jesus, I see like what they, what the hometown is seeing is the carpenter, tradesman. They see the son of Mary, who they would believe to be illegitimate or at least rumors circulating about him. How could this be the Messiah, an illegitimate child? Uh, and someone whose family we know, we, we know this, they're offended by Jesus. They have taken offense at him. Jesus and his message are often scandalizing. They're often a stumbling block and a stone of offense to those who are rejecting him and to those who do not want to believe. Uh, and that's something we kind of have to come to grips with today, isn't it? Not just can I believe, but do I want to believe what Jesus is saying? Do I want to believe who Jesus is? Because the implications are he's not just a hometown boy. He's the Messiah. He's not just this, this guy who, who you know we know what he does. We know his trade. He's the king of kings. He's the son of God. And, and you may not want to receive him because that means you've got to change your life. Such a contrast, isn't it? Uh, in Mark 4, when Jesus calmed the, the storm and his disciples said, who then is this? And they're, they're amazed. But it's in awe of Jesus. And in his hometown, this, the idea seems to be more, who does he think he is? And it says that Jesus could do no mighty work there. It's like a shocking, you're talking about scandalizing. What do you mean the son of God could do no mighty work there? And then to me, I'm just always amazed by the second half of that. Except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. But he could lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, this is important, guys. How are we responding to Jesus? How are we responding? Not just how did they respond in Nazareth. How did Jesus' hometown respond? How are we responding to Jesus? Jesus is clear elsewhere in, in uh, the Gospel of John. He actually makes it clear, like I think three different times, that he does what the Father is doing. He's like, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I'm saying what the Father's saying. I'm, I'm putting my hand to what the Father's putting his hand to. So when Jesus doesn't heal anyone, or that, sorry, doesn't do any mighty work there, he only does what the Father's doing. The Father sees how his son is received in his hometown. And the father is disapproving of how Jesus is received. The spirit is grieved, guys, when Jesus is diminished. And the father disapproves when Jesus is dishonored. We definitely want to cultivate a culture of honoring Jesus. Not just with our words, not just with, uh, uh, you know, listening into a, a message, hopefully a good message now and again. But how are we receiving Jesus. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says about this verse, uh, Mark 6, 5, that Jesus chose not to exercise his power 
in a climate of such unbelief. Uh, another scholar, uh, William Barclay, references their unbelief as a willful unbelief. It says Jesus marvels. He marvels at this unbelief. He marvels at this rejection of him. Those that he, he probably would have grown up with. You know, he's like, oh, that's the butcher. Oh, that's the, you know, that's the baker. Um, now, did they have candlestick makers in town? I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus marvels. These people who I grew up with, completely disbelieving. N.T. Wright says he was dumbfounded. <laughs> dumbfounded. And this is the only place in Mark's gospel where it says anything like this about Jesus being in amazement or Jesus marveling and wondering at the response of people. But what does Jesus do? As Nazareth rejects him, his people on the, on the whole rejects him. He still lays his hands on a few sick people and heals them. It's not that Jesus has no compassion in an unbelieving environment. It's not that he's just like, I'm, I'm so done with you. You can just stay in your sickness. You can just stay in your brokenness. No, he still lays his hands on a few sick people and heals them. Guys, even extreme lack of faith around us is no hindrance to Jesus healing us. That's amazing. Wow. That might make you marvel. There can be total lack of faith around you, willful disbelief around you, rejection of Jesus around you, and the climate could just feel dead. That does not stop Jesus from getting to you. Does not stop Jesus from laying his hands on you. And here's what's cool. Jesus takes the time for the broken, even in an unbelieving environment. Jesus takes the time and makes the time for the broken, for the hurting, for those who need restoration in their lives. It's still true. Jesus is taking time and making time for us, for you, wherever you are. You could be in a home where no one believes the gospel. No one believes the good news about Jesus except for you. Well, good news, guys. Jesus will make time for you wherever you are, in whatever environment you are stuck in or living in. Jesus can bring breakthrough to you and healing to your life. I love that he actually lays his hands on people in that environment and blesses them. That's fantastic. And then he continues on through the villages teaching the same message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe the good news. And everywhere he goes, even to this day, through his people, by his spirit, where Jesus is going, we carry that same message. And we do just what Jesus does. We declare the message. We leave the result to God. We declare the message and we trust our Father. When we say to people, yeah, repent, turn from sin, turn from your sin, that can still be stunning. It can feel still feel like a slap in the face. And people may look for excuses not to believe the message because ugh, it's uncomfortable. 
believe the good news. The good news of eternal salvation through Christ. The grace of God richly poured out on people who do not deserve it is still scandalizing to this day. It is a scandal to say you who do not deserve salvation are getting forgiven. You are being forgiven and led into everlasting life. Still stunning. Still scandalous. Still offensive to many. And rejecting Jesus, yeah, it still results in, in a separation from the gospel. Yep. Se separation from eternal life. Yep. Still true. Still true. But guys, when others disapprove of you because of Christ and because of the message and the gospel of Christ at work in your life, know this. Know that your heavenly Father is still approving of you. He sees and he approves of you. My challenge to you is this. Let's keep cultivating an atmosphere and a culture of awe of Jesus and receiving Jesus, not just as the, oh yeah, that's the hometown prophet, but receiving Jesus, as scandalous as that may seem, as Lord, as Savior, as healer, as restorer, let's keep receiving him and, and, and drawing others into a great respect and awe, admiration and worship of him. Our unbelieving world, our broken world is desperate for Jesus. They're desperate for the news he brings. And guys, he's bringing it through us. Father, I just pray that for all of us who are hearing this, wherever we are, Lord, that whether we feel ourselves a bit stunned or scandalized, Lord, that we would be able to receive what you're saying and receive Jesus well.